Okay, well, it's, it's really great to be here. Um, I love it when God prepares the way. I feel like some of the words and stuff that was brought this morning, actually, obviously you don't know what God's going to speak to other people, and, and it's amazing when he speaks stuff that, to me, really confirms some of the things that, that I felt him put on my heart um, for you guys. When, um, when I first met Rebecca, it was probably it was a good six months ago when, when Becca first um, spoke to me and asked if I would like to speak. And I said, well, what do you want me to speak on? And she said, oh, you know, just the stuff you talk on. So for the next 45 minutes, I'm going to be talking about coffee. Um, no. Um, I, I am actually really excited about what God... Um, what God wants to do. I, I really believe that God's put something on my heart um, and, and it's probably been on there a while. Probably in the summer we met again and, and actually I was just walking with Becca and, and I was telling her about something that God was doing in me and she said, do you know what, I think, I think that's the base for what, what you're going to speak on. And as I went away, um, it, it upset me because actually I was going to write a blog post that night and it meant that I couldn't blog it because I was like, oh no, because I'm going to talk about it. But um, uh, God's really just built this on my heart and um, I'm really excited to share it with you. God wants to bring freedom today. Um, it's what he loves to do. Um, he loves to bring freedom into our lives. So, um, yeah. So in case you missed it, um, my name is Louise, but most people do call me Lou and I'm okay with that. My dad is not. Um, so one of my favourite stories, um, this was read to me by my dad, was this, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And in fact, um, my dad actually did call me the other day and said there are several books, um, children's books at home, and we're discuss- discussing whether you want them still. Um, I, I loved this book and this is one of them. I had the whole In This Puffin type... type um, cover I had the whole series um, I've actually gone back and read them and I love reading children's books I think there's so much more in them when you read them as an adult um, I love stories so it kind of works for me uh, but I also love chocolate um, so I could have spoken on that I love baking I don't know I'm not a bake-off person because I don't watch tv that is game shows but anyway uh, not, not that that's a bad thing it's just not what I'm into um, so I love baking um, I love singing um, I love psychology. I studied it at university. Um, it surprised me how much it's actually um, crept back into my life. I love looking at the, the brain that God has given us and the biology that God has given us and how it all works and why we do certain things. And you know, time and time again, I, I just go, it's, it's already there in the Bible. You can already see, see why people do these things. Um, I love my church, obviously, Fambersham Community Church. And I love my home, which is a first for me because this year I bought my first flat. Yay! Um, so I don't know if anyone has ever bought a home or remembers buying the home or getting the keys to the place that they're renting that they really like, but I remember that phone call. I actually squealed on the phone to my solicitor. Um, it was actually the first time I'd spoken to her on the phone. We'd done everything by email, so it was a bit weird because I was like, who are you? Um, but she, uh, she phoned me, and straight away, what I wanted to do was get the keys and just stand in my flat and just stand there. There was nothing in there, but I just had to do it. And I went and I stood and I looked at the rooms and thought, wow, how much potential there is in this house. But to those of you who have more experience of me and slightly more reality, you know that it takes quite a long time to make a house yours or mine. I moved into a very yellow house. Oh, 
Yeah. <laughs> Next one. Uh, my, uh, my yellows went from peach terracotta through to this yellow in one kitchen wall uh, was this colour yellow. I do. That's the only picture I have is me putting candy floss in front of it. And yes, I do have a candy floss maker. Um, woo! I don't use it that much. Um, but this yellow house, for that to me, there were some things that were really, really easy to change. I didn't want to live in a yellow house. And so getting someone to come round and paint it white quite quickly was an easy decision for me to make. But there was one thing that I couldn't decide about, and that was the wardrobe. <laughs> now, I moved into a house that had a bed one bedroom, and the whole of the long side of that bedroom was taken up by a semi-built-in wardrobe that having moved in and unpacked almost immediately, had managed to become the centerpiece of my room. Now this isn't actually mine, but it's pretty much um, the same um, of what, of the kind of thing I had. So you get the idea, I bought a bed that fitted in the gap. I um, put all my clothes in the uh, cupboards. I, I made up reasons for what I would put in different cupboards. So this is my junk cupboard, and this is my nice things and presents cupboard, and that kind of thing. I built my life around this cupboard, or this wardrobe. And I didn't know what to do about it. You see, on the one hand, this wardrobe, it, it wasn't mine, it wasn't me, and I wasn't quite sure what was lying behind it. On the other hand, I was scared to remove this wardrobe. I didn't know what I was going to find behind it. My clothes would have nowhere to live for a while because I can't make a decision quickly on what else is going to go in my room. And I'd have to spend money on carpet because there was no carpet underneath it. I'd have to spend money on new paint and a new wardrobe. It wasn't until July that I made a decision. I was somehow going to get rid of this wardrobe from my room. And around the same time that I made this decision, God had begun speaking to me about hope. And he was rather annoyingly questioning me about what I was playing, placing my hope in. And he wasn't going to relent on the fact that I was trying to ignore this question that he was asking me. And he kept asking me. And so I began a journey of conversation with him, looking at some of the hopes I've been building my life around, rather like the wardrobe in my bedroom. As I allowed him in, he showed me that I was placing my hope in things that were seemingly good, but were not him. Hopes I had for my life, church, hopes for the world. Some which were formed on misinformed beliefs about how life is meant to work. Oh, that one should be there. Oh. <laughs> Okay, I've got a different order. That's okay, don't worry. <laughs> I was saying, yeah, some of which were um, formed on misinformed beliefs about how my life worked. I was letting my view of life be shaped by the world and not by God. They had become the main feature of my life. They were taking up room. They had a stronghold on me. They were from the old me and something behind them was seriously off. If we move on, there should be one that says hope. Let's move down. Oh, 
There we go. <laughs> we might not rely on the uh, on the PowerPoint. <laughs> so a physical stronghold is a place where armies would run to during the warfare. It was a place that would make armies strong again. It was a fortress, a place of hiding, a place of safety. And when I speak of things having a stronghold or being a stronghold, I'm speaking of just that. A place where we run to for comfort. But not the physical strongholds of this world, not the castles that we see across Kent, but, but actually the, the spiritual and the emotional strongholds that have a hold on us. And the question that God was asking me was, where do you run to? These hopes had a strong hold on me. I ran to them believing that if I had them, if I attained them, then I was safe there. More so, my behaviour was becoming to be built around these hopes happening. It was being built around securing them. And then God asked me this. What if I asked you to let go of these things? And I'll be honest, I panicked. The idea of letting go of things I so hoped for in my life, in my church, the idea of letting go of them tensed me up. But in that panic, I realised that my behaviour over the years was not being shaped primarily by God's kingdom but by desperately clinging on to these hopes. Why was I clinging on so hard to these things? I think inherently our hopes can often reveal what our fears and our core beliefs are. We don't talk about these things because we feel ashamed. But I don't believe in shame having a hold on me. And so this morning, I'm going to voice them. And I want to thank... Uh, back where you said about being honest like that just really confirmed in my heart that it's okay to be honest and I believe that hopefully this will speak to you so I have placed my hope in knowledge because I believe failure is shameful humiliating and weak I'm fearful of appearing this way and I will cling on to, uh, to knowledge or avoidance so I won't fail Avoiding situations I can fail in has become my safety or my stronghold. I have placed my hope in my physical body. I believe that I should be better at keeping off weight because maybe I will be more attractive. I spent unnecessary money on clothes and on makeup for the same reason. I believe if I am attractive, then I will be popular or I might not be single. And I'm fearful of being alone. I'm scared people won't like me, which will leave me lonely. And therefore, one of the things I place my hope in is appearance. Food, makeup, and clothes are my safety, my stronghold. Though I am disappointed that although I work out and sometimes eat well, I will still run to these things when I'm bored or sad, or when I'm celebrating. 
I have placed my hope in ways of doing church. Church leaders and prophetic words over our church. Part of this is because I believe if this happens, we will be a good church. I will have chosen a good church to be part of and people want to come and join us if we're great. You see, I don't want to be a failure. I don't want to be humiliated. I want us to be noticed as a great church. But it's because I want to be noticed and I'm scared that I'm not. Notice in this, Jesus has had nothing to do with why I want the prophetic promises over church to happen. You see, as I process this with God, I realise that I had become, become to hope in nothing less than Jesus' blood and a beautiful house. Money, dress size, makeup, popularity, gifting, prophetic words, a comfortable, western, safe life, a husband. And these hopes in themselves, they're not bad. Hoping for the promises of God to come to fruition in my life, that's, that's a good thing. But when we put our full hope in the prophetic promises of God over us, and do not pr- place it in the one who made these promises, we will feel the pull of disappointment. It is not wrong to hope for these things, nor to ask and pray for them, but place your full assurance in the promise maker. Trust wholly on God rather than solely on the promise. And we, we are not the same. Your hopes will be different to mine. And this isn't a condemning word. I believe, but I do believe what it is, is God wants to show us things in our heart to give us freedom to be fully ourselves. Freedom and space for the new. But maybe we are the same here. I am petulant when my hopes are attempted to be taken away from me. I am disappointed when things don't work out. But I am not fulfilled, often, when they do. When I don't achieve the things that I have placed my hope in, I become anxious, petulant, manipulative, and withdrawn. And these strongholds were not a place of safety, but rather a place of destruction in me. And this wasn't the new life that Jesus had won for me. And it's not the new life that Jesus has won for you. Psalm 20 talks about those who trust in chariots and horses, the things of this world. And that was exactly what I was doing. But God has created me to fully trust on him. Trust in him. Allow my mind to be renewed. And I believe that's part of what he wants to do today. So I thought we'd have a little bit of fun. Part of my job is to create and deliver self-esteem courses with girls. And one of the games we play is Marshmallow Towers. So I would like four women who are happy to say that they have a little bit of, they like a little bit of competition. So I'd like four women to, uh, to uh, volunteer to play this game. You won't get messy, um, but four people who are up for a game. 
Yeah, one, two, three, and at the back four. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'd like you to form two teams. And if you could count out six pieces of spaghetti and split the marshmallows in half. Oh. <laughs> Are we on there? Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> so. Okay, so the idea of this game is uh, we're going to count them down and they're going to have 30 seconds, so not very long. Um, I do give the girls longer, I'm not that harsh to our teenage girls. Uh, but we're going to give them <laughs> 30 seconds to build something which is kind of looks like the Eiffel Tower. Now, do remember the Eiffel Tower does have several layers. Um, you can take, actually, you can take a few more bits of, uh, I didn't realize how many marshmallows, so you can take a few bit more, maybe up to ten of the spaghetti. So in a minute, I'm going to count you in. So they have to, they have to build an Eiffel Tower. Now, there are rules to this game. You cannot snap the spaghetti, and if it snaps while you're building, shame, you won't get another one. You cannot break the marshmallows. So you just have to build with what you've got. And when I say, say stop, oh gosh, that's a tongue twister. When I say stop, you have to take your hands away and not be holding on to it. And it has to stand. So let's count around. Five, four, three, two, one, go. And no copying the other team because you're stood next to them. It's quite interesting watching what some of the children build. <laughs> I didn't risk assess this, so if anyone stabs himself with spaghetti. <laughs> okay, you got 15 seconds left. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one, hands away. <laughs> okay, well, um, <laughs> I'll, um, I think I'm going to say this one looked more like the Eiffel Tower. Um, so you, you would win if it had stood up, but you don't win, so uh, there we go. Um, so, and I haven't got a prize anyway, you'd have just won the prize. You can eat a marshmallow, and uh, if you take seats. Now, why do we play a game called Marshmallow Towers? Um, is it because I want hyper teenage girls after the session? No. Um, we play this game, it's, it's amazing as well how many of them will go, oh, these are healthy because they've got no like, fat in them, like, but they're full of sugar. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the reason we're, why we play this game is to start them thinking about what makes them feel a little bit wobbly about life, what makes them feel insecure. This is where the science comes in. When we feel insecure or what the brain will perceive as threat to us, we will look for us a way to survive. This is often thought of in a physical way. So if someone, if I came up to you and told you that I was about to stab you, you would do certain things in order to survive. 
But it also can happen for emotional and social survival. And that's what we help them start to discuss. And as they share their thoughts, I begin to hear the strongholds that form their hopes and belief systems. And instead of keeping them alive, I see that it is withholding them from a full and free life. What I also see, though, is that what they say, I kind of believe too sometimes. Often they say something... And I've started having to take it back to God and say, God, renew my mind again. Help me to think differently on this because this isn't your way. I think I thought that renewing your mind was a one-off thing. That when you became a Christian, your mind was renewed. What I'm realising is that every day, every hour, every moment type thing of coming under God and saying, I want to think your way now. Women, I just, I haven't written this down, sorry. But um, I want to encourage you, there is hope for the world in you living that way. There is hope for the world. When the world sees structures that don't work all the time, and then they see people who live a different way, it causes, it causes them to ask questions. You see, these girls... They have these beliefs about how to be happy, how to be successful, how to be accepted, how to be safe. And they're like, in my lovely book of the, uh, uh, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, they're like the Turkish delight and the promise of power that the witch in Narnia lures in Edmund with. Lies that are sweet at first, but have a bitter aftertaste. I see these girls lured in about where to place their hope And we all see the destruction caused by that. Broken friendships, self-harm, body image, eating disorder, risky sexual behaviour, unhealthy relationships. All of this in a desperation to achieve what they hope for or a comfort for the disappointment of what has not worked out. And it's not just in teenage girls. You see, we all have goals and ambitions, hopes and dreams. When our brain perceives these goals under threat, our survival mode kicks in. And we start getting anxious or disappointment and we act out and we try and cling to this hope. We try and dig our nails in, we fight for it. We can be so scared to let go. What does it mean for us if these hopes aren't achieved? If I hope for a husband, what does it mean for me when I wake up each day and I'm still single, if I've placed everything in that one thing? Even now, when I think about some of the strongholds that God has highlighted in me over this season, the idea of letting go tenses me up, and I have to go back to God and say, you are better. You are better. You are better. And I'm learning to trust my hopes to him. Christ reveals to us these things so that we can see them destroyed. So that we can be better equipped when they taunt us. He does this because he's not created us to live by fear but by his power, grace and love and to extend that and to advance the kingdom. 
So when I get tense, I realise now. I feel it in my body, I feel it in my chest. And I remind myself, I place my hope in him who will never fail me. I place my hope in him who has perfect timing. I place my hope in him who is good. And today, the Lion of Judah, Christ, wants to come and free you from fear and from lies. He is our hope and he will never fail us. So one morning I woke up and I knew that this wardrobe had to go. I started doing it myself and realised that I could only go so far in carrying the weight of the structure. So I had to let go of my pride and ask some people to come and help. One, an expert, and one, a friend. Are we trying to cope on our own rather than looking to the expert and looking to our friends? And it took a lot of work, it took a lot of cleaning. Thankfully, the wall wasn't as bad as I thought it might be. But I finally, finally had this blank canvas to work with. I'd even moved my bed to a new place in the room because it was no longer trapped by this old framework. Taking out the framework opened up a space to be free and to express myself. Removing old frameworks, strongholds from our lives, opens space for the freedom, for the new life that Christ has won for you. Today, the Lion of Judah wants to come and breathe life over you. As I said near the beginning, a stronghold is a place where armies run to in times of warfare. It is also, however, a place used to solidify rule <coughs> during peace. The lion is coming to solidify peace and for it to rule in your life. If we hope in what is not Christ and we achieve it, no matter how good that thing is, we will be disappointed or unfulfilled by it. We will not have the peace, the fullness or the joy that Christ has got for us. If we hope in what is not Christ and we do not attain it, we will believe with, he is withholding or he is not good. Neither of those are true. But if we hope in Christ, we will have life and life in its fullness. As I was um, writing the last sort of bits of this on Thursday, I was also reading through Hebrews and I've got to Hebrews 11 and as I got to uh, the bit about by faith Jericho, the walls of Jericho fell down, I just felt God say, read the story again. And I was like, it's all right, God, like, I went to Sunday school for a long time. I know the story. They walked around the walls, yay. Um, in fact, I've walked around a fake Jericho several times in my life. Um, we've all done it. There we go. But as I read back through the story, I realised something. And I saw in this story that the way of the world would be to, to try and work it out yourself, to try and force the battle, to try and... Um, to try and look for strongholds, to try and, try and sort yourself out yourself. Actually, 
The way of God is to walk in his presence and to allow his presence to lead the battle. And so, right now, I don't have anything further to say. And so, I believe that God just wants us to wait in his presence. And I believe that he wants to say some things.